0: Hello, Hill City. How are you doing? I'm just uh, recording. I still can't wait to see you guys. I know I'm seeing you guys sporadically. Some of you guys, uh, but I hope that you guys are doing well and all those who are watching online. I just want to give you some an- uh, announcements uh, that are uh, that I want you guys to know about uh, about Dwayne Vanderhelm. He was a uh, a man in our church who. Uh, was affected by COVID-19 and uh, he was in a coma for many weeks, uh, almost up to four weeks, but woke up out of a coma and is breathing better, is off the ventilator. He had a procedure that you guys prayed for, so I believe he's uh, breathing out of a trach. And, but I, I want you to continue to pray for him for a full recovery. And I, I also, I want us to like, just thank Jesus because so many doctors. They're like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know if there's any more hope for him. And of course, then he woke up. I also want to give uh, a praise report about Zeke, uh, the, the baby who had a heart transplant. He is doing well. He is laughing. And uh, thank you for all your prayers, all your support, all your love, all your meals, everything that you guys have done to take care of Zeke. Zane, this family, uh, I'm just so grateful for you guys. Uh, some of you guys hopefully are having some watch parties, opening up your homes, uh, and uh, being, uh, beginning to set up structures to meet back together again, but just to be the church. See, the word church is the people of God. And sometimes I struggle with like the understanding of church online because we are just doing things separately. But I want us to begin to come back together Especially for those who are healthy, and those who have maybe you already spent some time with some people, maybe bring come back together, and on a Sunday morning, uh, provide a breakfast or uh, do a lunch, and then watch watch online, maybe share some questions, some thoughts, some ways that we can grow together. So please begin watch parties at your homes, and I think that's super super important to build these sort of structures in these times because we need people. And finally, um, many of you guys, we know of all the things going around uh, our country with the loss of uh, George Floyd, his death. And and to be honest, I, I was like, I don't know exactly what to say, the right way to say it, because this is what was such a horrific death. I'm going to just go at it. Uh, but And I just want to say this is, it was so wrong. And uh, and if you see it any other way, I pray that God does a work in our hearts and it's never acceptable. And and the crazy part is we all got to experience it online. We all got to see it if you wanted to see it. Imagine losing your brother or your sister or your loved one as uh, brutally taken away from you. I, I, I was dealing with this this morning. I was just so saddened just meditating on it, thinking about people. And I hope that you do that too, because it should make us sad. It should make us weep. Uh, And pray for his family. Pray for this family who is going through this utter devastation personally and then for all the world to see. (coughs) To many, I just want you to know that George uh, Floyd represents more than another lost life. But represents the personal struggles that they face and that they have faced in the past. And fears that they think about that they uh, that they are facing for their uh, sons and daughters, for their husbands and wives. Uh, because they have seen this tragedy go on. This is not the first time, right? Uh, so pray for your African American brothers and sisters who feel such a great weight in all this. And obviously are feeling. You can see the tension that they are losing hope and that things can change. And in this moment I just want to say to all of us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Stop and and in this moment let us walk in someone else's shoes and from there, from seeing with a little more clarity and asking more questions, That we would pray for god's justice and mercy and that we would be a part of god's justice and mercy because at some point we got to respond right not only not only to these visceral reactions that we are seeing on 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 the media or in facebook but let us move into action actual action and 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 it starts with you it starts with me right ask yourself Maybe first time, maybe in a long time. Maybe you've never asked yourself this. But what darkness are you facing in your heart? Do you struggle with prejudice and racism? Do you treat people differently the way you view them? Because obviously many people do, right? Or, or do we struggle with apathy? It's, it's not me, so I shouldn't care that much. And then, then ask yourself, how can you help? I don't want you to be Martin Luther King Jr. online and have this beautiful speech and this beautiful response, but not respond in real life. Can you bring reconciliation around you? How can you stand up when someone says something or when you see injustice and break that hate and break that division? How can you help those who feel stuck in this system of uh, maybe they say they feel like they can't get a hand up or they can't get out of what they're currently involved in? Can we be answers to those things, helping people get jobs, helping families uh, like heal? Can we be a part of that? And how can we as as a church, I I think this is very important, create a multiracial, multicultural culture around us? In our churches, in our homes, in our lives, right? How can we lead and disciple a multicultural-minded future leaders, future people who love God and love their world, love their neighbor as themselves, so that we can leave a better world than the one we're living now? So lastly, I just want to say this. Don't give up and don't let this moment pass without being a reflection of God's grace and truth. Our worship and our following Jesus must reach past our comfort and be filled with compassion. I hope that you hear me and that we would make some moves. God bless you. There's nothing
1: more I could ever come close, nothing can compare. You're our living hope, your presence. and sing of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is up So cool.
0: hello 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 and welcome hill city we are actually on the platte river right now uh we are under an overpass and uh, we're in the city it's pretty cool but we wanted to come here if you're brand new my name is john and uh thank you so much for joining us we're going through the book of james faith that works and james stresses all throughout his letter that genuine faith must be accompanied must have back it up a consistent lifestyle right and that's what we call works right it's not just what you say you believe it's how you live that out if you got to live it out it's a, your way of life so jesus told us and he said it clear i am the way the truth and life right i am the way i'm a path i'm an approach i'm a system i'm a structure of life that you can build your life upon so we don't just add Jesus to our life. Jesus is not spiritual Sriracha. Just think about that. He's not spiritual Sriracha, trying to spice things up, make things better, enhancing the life we already have, right? No, he's all of life. That's what he's trying to tell us. He's the purpose of life. And 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 we are joining in on, on becoming like him on what he is actually already doing. So the big question is this, And I ask you many times if you have ever heard me, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And if you don't know the answer, our world, our culture, Fox News, CNN, Amazon, and Disney, they are paying billions of dollars to collect your data, to sell you and tell you who you are, what you need, how your life needs to look like, to proselytize you into their version of the good life, of what your life is about, right? But yet Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way of transformation of the innermost aspects of your heart, of your life, by practices, by mastery, and by reflections, so that the natural, natural like expression something that just comes out of you of your life imitates him his deeds his mind his words his love so it's not enough to believe the right things we must also live the right way into a faith that works that's why we call it what it is right i love pastor james because he is straight up with no candy coating he's not m&ms And for me, I need that. I need that. I personally think James is making up for some of the lost time that he had because he was the little brother of Jesus. And you can see it through Matthew and through and through Mark that he didn't believe Jesus until the resurrection. Right. And and yet James, who started late in this game, became one of the most prominent pastoral voices for Jesus. So let's jump into chapter four. James is working to transform this new Jesus community, which we know is called the church, right? And church is not a place we go. Church is a people that we are, that represents Christ. So James is trying to take this new community of faith and develop them into committed followers, living the way of Jesus, loving one another with a mission of being a disciple, say being disciples and then say, and making disciples. That's right, that is the mission of the church. And this is hard, we know, because we've been working at this for a while, for years now, and I think it's one of the toughest things I've ever done, because we are facing, and you and I, we are facing an individualistic culture. And I'm not trying to knock on this, it's just what is, right? Growing up here, we are heavily persuaded, even in the church, to chase this cultural American dream, right? That, that, that sometimes I think we are more culturally American than we are characteristically Christian. And what I mean by this is that me included have a hard time putting away the American dream, right? Picking and picking up God's dream. In the words of Queen and in the words of Sharpay in High School Musical 3, We say, I want it all, right? I want it all, right? And I want it now. Yet the American kingdom of safety, security, and more contradicts God's kingdom of the values of sacrifice, submission, and commitment. And in that, in that pull and push, something has to give. It just does. And it's either our commitment to God and to one another or our commitment to ourself and our greater, better life that we're committed to. So James is working hard here, right? To give us, this church, a new vision of life, to break up old habits, even old religious habits, old views, and, and, and calling this messy group of people to a new way as disciples, I'm gonna say that again, disciples, students, followers of Jesus who actually look like Jesus, right? I don't think much has changed today since the day of James, right? There is still a great cost of following Jesus. Yet listen, the unity and the community, this unified community is the primary objective, right? Jesus does not take unity lightly. He prayed the day before his crucifixion in John seventeen twenty-three then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, the church, even as you have loved me. The world will know. Jesus said our unity, our love for one another would be so radical, so complete, so beautiful, so bold, so out of this world that our neighbors, our society, our enemies would see the way we take care of one another and that would testify of the power of Christ to change our lives fundamentally from the inside out and it would be the evidence that God is with us. Unity matters. Say that with me. Unity matters. Unity is our witness and unity reveals the rule of God in our lives right? It's something that, that we it don't just chase here and there. It reveals the rule of God in our lives, so we must protect it at all costs. We must sacrifice and submit for it, and we are the church together, and we are better for it. We are the body of Christ, and together in unity, we re- represent Jesus. So here, I'm going to run into this. James chapter 4, he says this, He begins in verse 1, what causes quarrels and fights among you? I want you to answer that. What causes all these fights? What causes all these quarrels, right? All these things that are going on. This is the opening line, right? And we can conclude that things aren't going well in Jerusalem. Now, what causes fights and complaints and gossip and separation among you? You can comment below. What causes it in your life? James continues, don't they come from your desires, right? Say desires, and we'll talk more about that. The battle within you. Do you desire, but you don't have? So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures, on yourself. See, the word desire in the Koine Greek is the word hedone right? And that's where we get the word hedonism or hedonism, right? Defined is the pursuit of pleasure and self-indulgence, right? And and definitely that's the idol of today. And with the justification when we say, I just want to be happy. I don't know if you've ever said that. I know I said that. I say it many times and, 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 and we say it. Listen, that's what we're sold, right? I know some of us, guys, we grew up in this religious background, in religious homes, and maybe you heard a message like, you can either be holy or you can be happy, right? Have you ever heard something like that? Because Jesus wants you serious all the time and that, and that if we really are serious about God, we would give up everything and get serious and stop laughing and stop enjoying ourselves and become monks. And honestly, many people have this weird view of Christianity, right? That this is what God wants. He just wants you unhappy so he could be happy. And that's so far from the truth. I believe Jesus is after your happiness more than you, your blessedness, right? And the happiness and holiness, they're not on rival teams. They're not like this versus that. Those who are willing to trust God, live it out, obey him, even when it gets hard, when they don't feel like it, God will bless and bless through you and fill you with his lasting joy in the words of one of my favorite pastors in new york city tim keller he says this if you come to him to make you happy you're coming to a false god if you say well i'm interested in christianity and maybe i'll come and bite on it if if i can see it help me reach my goals and make me happy then he says you're not coming to god you're coming to a butler either god exists or he doesn't exist and if he doesn't exist you can't come to him for happiness right But if he does exist, you have to realize you must come to him because he created you and therefore he owns you. To not come to him and obey him would be an injustice. The only way to come to God rightly, the real God, is to come to him without conditions and say, forget happiness. I owe you everything. See, there are two ways he's saying people come to God. Number one, I owe you everything. You owe me nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Or number two, I'm gonna to come to you, but then you better pay me back. You owe me, right? And the only test for who you are, because it's not very evident, the only test to see who you really are, if you're number one or number two, is how you respond in hardship. Now I wanna ask you, how do you respond in hardship? When things like COVID-19 hits, When things suck, when jobs are lost, when sickness is right there during injustice, right? Do we get mad and say, what good was it to be a part of the church? Why do I even pray or study the Bible? What good is it to serve the poor or just love one another? Why was I so generous? Why didn't I just lash back when that person came at me? These moments actually reveal the real you, the real you. In other words, all you're saying is, my number one priority is me and my happiness. And I'm using God to get to where I want to go. To opposing, to say, my number one priority is to follow and serve God. Because he's God, and if happiness happens, then great, but I will serve God. Yet here's the paradox. In my experience, the less you're concerned about your happiness and the more you're concerned about Jesus, the happier you get, right? Happiness is the byproduct of our right relationship with God, which the Bible calls righteousness. Righteousness. And you can't fake that. You just can't. Verse 4. And this is strong. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell, dwell in us? Verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. This is hardcore. James says, you adulterer. That's not easy word. Don't just let that slip by, right? You cheater, you broke your vows to your most important relationship, like marriage vows. You gave your heart away to another, your body, your mind, your worship away to another, giving your desires, chasing this American dream, this good life. You cheated on God. I know this sounds harsh, but he had to be because James fears for the souls of the members of his church, the people of his church that he's pastoring. So, out of love, he reprimands. Listen, listen. If you saw your little kids playing with a rattlesnake, messing with it, would you do something? I would. I would do something right away. I'd be screaming, yelling, I'd be running over there because they don't understand the danger they're playing with. And in the same way, James's level of intensity is in proportion to the level of danger. I'm going to say that again. James's level of intensity is in proportion to the level of danger that people are in. So today I want to ask us very soberly, have you cheated on God? Have you cheated on God? Chasing another. Does someone or something have your affections, your heart more than God? Have more more authority than God? Have more strength than God? Right now, are you walking the fence flirting with sin or with greed or with lust or unbelief or laziness or with apathy with consumerism and you're just like meh meh right leading your heart to harden creating emotional frustration spiritual frustration and a void in your soul which was once on fire for christ anyone i mean anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world becomes an enemy to God. This is so strong because we must ask ourselves at some point, am I an enemy of God? Is my life contrary to the ways of Jesus? Pulling people away from Jesus, making Jesus a fraud, right? But what James is also saying is that God will turn against you as his enemy. I don't know everything that entails, but I don't want to know, right? You should freak out a little bit. You really should. You should think about that. You should, you should say, man, this is not okay. Yet, 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 God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Those who humble themselves, turn around, come clean, repent, make things right. God will seek you, show favor towards you. So submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I love that. Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. For the listeners and for some listeners today, we need to hear this with all seriousness. Some of us, we need to mourn, we need to cry, we need to wail. Our desires and pride has separated us from God and we know it. We have fallen into the plans of our enemy chasing this dream and we cheated on God. And it's time to humble ourselves because we're far from him, we got off track And we're living in rebellion. Repent. Go home. Turn around. Go back home to the Father. No matter what it takes. No matter the hard decisions you have to make. It's that important. Your eternal soul is on the line. There is an old hymn that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back no turning back the world behind me the cross before me no turning back no turning back no matter what it takes i will be faithful to god no matter the outcome i will choose to give my life entirely to christ and to the unity and to the health of his people disciples making disciples being a disciple no turning back no turning back no turning back No turning back. May this be the cry of our heart. And may the heart of humility be our unifying trait of our church here in our city. So let me give you some practical anchors of humility. Number one, write this down. Humility values God above all else. You have a king and your faith works best around God and his purpose, right? So God has first say in our relationships, our jobs, our school, our finances. Hear me out. Our purchases. Do we ask God, do we want me to buy this? Do, we, do you want me to, right? <laughs> our real life and our, our spiritual life, there's no, there's no distinction. They're one and the same. Our work life and our God life, they're one and the same. God is God of all of my life. So we choose to actively surrender daily our life to God and trust Him in humility. Trust Him. See, we see that in the model of Christ, right? That's how Christ modeled. Number two, humility means training. C.S. Lewis says humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It takes work. It takes practice, right? It it says that it's okay if I get the last If I sit at the last row, right? I don't need to be the top. I don't need to be the first. I don't need to be served first. And this takes practice. But listen, what you do today is your tomorrow. What you practice now is who you are tomorrow. Your life is all connected. We think, I can do that later, but later is the sum of what you do today. Isn't that amazing, right? Jesus said, The greatest among you shall be a servant, Matthew 23 11, which is the opposite of what we're told today. Our culture says, I'm the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the best. You're the strongest. You're the smartest, right? I am the smartest. Say that over and over again, right? People tell you. To do that kind of stuff, but Jesus, that's not his way. We want, we want, we want to be kings and rulers, but Jesus calls us to be servants to show us. Uh, And he showed us by serving us, a king becoming a servant, giving his life for us, washing us clean, forgiving us, redeeming us, loving us. And he took that all on himself in humility. And we find our motivation for humility by looking to Jesus, our servant king. And finally, number three, humility is honest. Real humility requires radical honesty, right? Radical honesty, honesty first to yourself. False humility means you're not owning who you are in in this effort to appear humble, which is pride and super annoying, right? And I do it. I'm sure many people do. Listen, humility is also owning how God made you. And I want you to listen. Your God-given gifts Some of you you guys are so gifted, but you're holding back and you say, God, I don't want to use that. Oh, you don't need me. And we tell ourselves these things. Unless you ask me, I'm not going to do it. But God has already asked you, right? Your mind, your talents, your connections, your gifts, denying these things. We undermine the beauty of something that God values and how God made you for the body of Christ. Humility doesn't say, look at how bad I am, any more than it says, look how good I am. It's honest and it points to God our Father. True humility needs God desperately and trusts Him absolutely. Think about that. The truth is, I still don't know how to do this well. I'm still working on this and I know it requires a whole lot of Jesus and the more I come to Him, the more I, I mature, right? And lastly, and let's read verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. You're playing God, he's saying. There is only one lawgiver and judge and one who is able to save and destroy. But you who are to judge, who are you to judge your neighbor? As we close today, we don't look around to see what's wrong with others. We first got to look around and, and say, it starts with me. That's where it starts. Unity starts with me. Repentance starts with me. Discipleship starts with me. Discipline starts with me. Worship starts with me. We're not waiting for someone else. Honor starts with me. The change in our family starts with me. The change in my life starts with me. The deep relationship with Jesus starts with me. We got to have some ownership, right? To lean into God. I cannot lead my family until I start leading myself. I can't pass that buck. I cannot lead my friends until I start myself. Jesus cannot be a theory or a good idea. It starts with me because Jesus changes everything. Jesus is the ultimate hope. While we were dead to sin, God gave his only son to take our place as an ultimate sacrifice. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we are no longer enemies of God, but beloved children with a new family name, with a new purpose for a greater king. So to you who are in Christ, not only is Jesus alive, He dwells in you, He calls you, He wants to fill you with greater joy so that you may live your everyday life as children of God, knowing God, filled with His joy, casting your cares on Him, united in humility and purpose. That's the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for unity right now, Lord God. If we are disunified, if we're all over the place, let us come back together under the the focus of Jesus walking and talking and living like Jesus, protecting the unity, protecting our hearts, Lord God, that we would walk strong with you. We repent and we come back to God. Some people today, they need to repent, Lord God. They need to cry, wail, and mourn because they are enemies of God. And they know it because they ran from God. And now the way they live, lives contrary to the way of God and I pray that all comes in humility as we walk and train and talk and, and endure with Jesus continue with Jesus it, it just goes with Jesus Lord God and let us know we don't do this on our own Lord God that we need one another we need one another so help us today in unity Lord God in repentance and humility in Jesus name we pray amen amen Don't do it on your own. We grow best in community. We need you to take a stand of faith. Some of you guys, you guys need to pick up the phone. Some of you guys, you guys need to reach out. If you need help getting connected, if you need help being discipled, I want you to email us at info at myhillcity.org or I want you to comment below and say, I need help being discipled. And we want to help you, right? Do something different. Don't do it the same way and say, now I got this. No, we need discipleship in our lives. And you, if you need that, please make a move. God bless you. God bless.